Hi there, and welcome to Vox Talk, your weekly review from the world of voiceover. I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli from Voices. Joe Bowen, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, joins us to discuss his road to becoming an announcer for the National Hockey League, what a day in the life of an NHL play-by-play announcer is like, and what it takes to connect with an audience. On March 7, 2017, Joe called his 3,000th game as the voice of the Leafs. And in June of 2018, the Hockey Hall of Fame named Joe as the 2018 winner of the Foster Hewitt Memorial Award. Welcome to the show, Joe. Boy, that sounds like this guy is really impressive. That's unbelievable. He did all of that? Yeah. Well, I'd say that's you. So, well, thank you oh, very me. much. Oh, oh, God. Holy smokes. <laughs> well, you've been broadcasting now for a long time, Joe, and you've had a magnificent career. What can you tell us about the road to becoming an announcer for the NHL? Well, back then, it was a little different. Um, uh, a lot of, because there are so many avenues now, especially uh, video avenues that were not available back when I started, you had to kind of find a, a job and you rode the bus a lot uh, in order to hone your skills. So um, I decided uh, at a young age when uh, I was uh, informed in no uncertain terms that I was not going to replace Johnny Bauer playing goal in the league, that I wanted to be involved in sports. And so uh, sports broadcasting was something that I uh, wanted to do. My dad, who had passed away when I was uh, just going into high school, always wanted me to have uh, a university education. So Ryerson was the only college that sort of had a broadcasting uh, course. I decided not to go there, but to get a university degree at the University of Windsor and enrolled in their communication arts program and, and got to do a lot of student radio station stuff, uh, both uh, just hosting and then as well as play-by-play. So it's where I sort of cut my teeth. I was able to uh, secure a job back home in my hometown in Sudbury, and uh, a year later was doing the Sudbury Wolves games and riding the bus with the uh, junior team for eight years before I was able to uh, kind of move on into the pro ranks. When I first came upon your career, it was with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'll tell you, Joe, I kept my bedroom clean for a whole year so that I could get a Toronto Maple Leafs winter coat. That was my prize for keeping my room clean. Well, good for you. Um, uh, I'll have to speak to my youngest son about that. Maybe I can uh, coerce him into doing a little more cleaning in his room. But, um, uh, you know, it it was an interesting... You talk about people getting breaks and and stuff, and I've had two enormous breaks. The first one was the fact that the owner of the television station and part owner of the Sudbury Wolves in uh, when I graduated from university was a gentleman by the name of Bill Plant, And Bill Plant was a childhood friend of my dad's. So when I uh, sent a resume and a, re- a request for a job interview to uh, the Sudbury uh, uh, affiliate, the, t- uh, the television and radio station, uh, Mr. Plant hired me. And the second biggest break I got was when I was doing the Nova Scotia Voyageurs for three years. Uh, I sent a tape in to uh, Telemedia Sports and their president, Len Bramson, gave me the break to come to Toronto. So those are two things, that, you know, and, and you talk about young people developing and doing things now. Somewhere along the line, you got to catch a break. And uh, if you have some talent, it's going to show. But you still need the opportunity, the chance to uh, 
demonstrate that you can do the job. And I, I got those two breaks by those two gentlemen. Wow, that is wonderful. And we all do need that that person who's, you know, gone a little bit further up the line to, to say, hey, I think that there's an opportunity here for someone else who's just a few steps behind me. So I, I'm glad that you had those breaks. Now, Stephanie, I'm going to tell you one how one break worked. And this was something that Len Bram said I'll never forget. He hired Jerry Howarth and I the exact same uh, summer. Telemedia had the rights to the Blue Jays and to the Maple Leafs. And I had really done, you know, sent out tapes and everything else to NHL teams and gotten nice letters back from people like Cliff Fletcher, who was uh, the general manager of the Atlanta Thrashers at the time. And a friend of mine whose uh, girlfriend had moved to Toronto left uh, Halifax, uh, the radio station I was working at was working in Toronto, and he sent me a note, Alan Davis, who later became a very famous um, person to start the very first all-talk radio sports station in Toronto. But he sent me a note, said, you got to send your tape in, you got to send your tape in, the Leafs are looking for a new guy. I thought, okay. So I sent it in and never thought much about it and never heard anything back from it. I enjoyed Halifax so much that uh, we went out and bought a house. And on a Thursday after doing the morning sports run at the radio station in Halifax, I came home and the phone rang and uh, it was, hi, this is Len Bramson, Telemedia Sports in Toronto. Uh, we're just listening to your tape and uh, we'd like you to uh, fly down to Toronto and do an audition for us against the Edmonton Oilers in a preseason game this Saturday. And I thought it was my friend, Alan Davis, yanking my chain. Here I was, I just bought a house. I really don't need to listen to you and your ba 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 And then there was this pause. And Mr. Bramson said, Joe, this isn't Alan Davis, this is Len Bramson, and I am offering you this to come down. And he laughed, and I laughed, and then he said, I'm going to phone you back in 20 minutes with the flight information. And when I hung up the phone, I literally said, you've just blown the best chance you've ever had. And 10 minutes later, Mr. Bramson phoned back and said, Joe, that was the most interesting conversation I've ever had with a potential employee. I've never been told to take my job and shove it before I even offered it. But we've listened to your tape again. You don't need the audition. Here's the job. So I'm living proof that you can tell a future boss exactly what you think and actually still get hired. Wow. I don't know if that would fly in today's day and age, Joe, but but certainly I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear if something like that happened somewhere. That was part of what happened. So it was an interesting conversation to be sure. And every time Len and I would get together, we would laugh like hyenas at it. It was a pretty funny uh, way to introduce oneself to uh, each other. Wow. Well, that is quite a story. And you are a storyteller. So as you were kind of rising up in the ranks and, and doing your early announcing work, which announcers really stood out to you as someone who inspired you? Like, why did you want to go into this field? I mean, I obviously loved hockey. So hockey was my, my favorite um, thing. And so, I mean, Foster and Bill Hewitt were doing the games that I loved because I'm, I was a Toronto Maple Leaf fan along with my dad when I was young. Danny Gallivan, who did the Montreal Canadiens, I hated because he was doing the Montreal Canadiens games. But when you listen to Danny Gallivan, you realize that you were really listening to the best. And I've often said that Danny Gallivan is at the top of the list 
and the rest of us are puddling around in the, in the mud down below him. But other people like Ray Scott, who did uh, football in the States, and Lloyd Pettit, who did the hockey for the Chicago Blackhawks, who did it completely different. He had his own cadence and his own verbiage that uh, went on. So those are the guys, I think, that as I was growing up that I really admired. And a fellow by the name of Mike Cranston, who I got to work with doing morning radio in Sudbury, was a tremendous mentor to me because Mike always said that there's lots of people that can talk on the radio or on TV, but there are very few personalities. And he always felt that show your personality, show your enthusiasm, show your dislike, show your emotions, I guess, for the lack of a better term. And uh, Mike was a, a real inspiration for me. We worked morning radio. Those icons you appreciated, but uh, the hands-on part was definitely Mike Cranston. Well, that's phenomenal advice. And I know we say that a lot to people when they're trying to think, well, how do I make my read stand out? How can I be different from the other voice actors on, on Voices? And it's like, it really does come down to what you personally bring from your own experiences or, or what you put into the color of your voice. And, and just the way that you see things is so different from someone else. So I love that. Like, bring your personality. You know, don't be afraid to be human. You know, just just have like a voice, right? Yeah. And, and, and too many people now, I think, Stephanie, are sort of in the cookie cutter kind of thing. I have a broadcast voice, so I'm going to use my broadcast voice. Well, well good for you. But you have to so, show some human aspect to it as well and to enjoy what you're doing and that will show through your personality and your inflection. So radio is quite a bit different than TV, obviously, because you have to paint some sort of a mental picture. Since I cut my teeth uh, on radio, and, I, and that's what I'm doing now, that's sort of the way that I call a hockey game, that I'm trying to paint a picture in the, the listener's head to, as to where the puck is, who has it, which team has it, that sort of thing. Whereas, obviously, on television, um, I can see where the thing is. So um, your, your approach is a little bit different and things of that nature. But still, uh, I think the best broadcasters are the ones that show some enthusiasm, some personality and have fun. Uh, you know, it's, I've often said it's not World War III till you get to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. Then it's World War III. But the rest of the time, uh, better enjoy yourself and have some fun. And there's a lot that you as a play-by-play -play announcer need to be able to see and even anticipate before it happens. So although much of what you do is improvisational, is there any preparation that you do before a game so that you can call it better? Uh, well, obviously, you, you do a lot of uh, uh, game prep each day. And like I would be doing that at this particular point in the morning. It's statistical information and stuff that you can glean on players that you might put into the broadcast. And a lot of it depends on the broadcast. If it's a really exciting game, you hardly get time to interject all of this sort of stuff that you've prepared for. But if it's, you know, a real plunker or whatever, sometimes you're filling gaps and whatnot with anything you can think of. So that has changed a great deal over the years that I've done this. Before the internet, you had to go down to the rink and pick up the copies of the, the statistical information that the league and the teams provided. 
Now I can dial it up on the internet here first thing in the morning while I'm sitting in my pajamas having my first morning coffee and start working on what I have to do. So every play-by-play broadcaster does it differently. I've never seen anybody have the same kind of preparation notes. Some broadcasters want to know the line combinations. I'm just more concerned about who's in the lineup and who's scratched. But everybody does it differently, and you uh, have to be comfortable with the way that you want to do it, I suppose, as far as your game prep is concerned. But once the game starts, um, you know, you you can't prepare for anything because uh, it's all going to be different. Make sure you have, A, good eyesight, B, you're uh, paying attention, and uh, C, that you have a good color guy that allows you to get your stuff in before he uh, jumps in and explains things or uh, has some fun. So... That's about the preparation that I do now currently, but the internet and the computers have made a big time change. Yeah. So um, I was just thinking, obviously, when you're at the games in Toronto and their home games, you can call them from there. But do you travel with the team, Joe, or, or do you have to do this remotely when they're on the road? Well, we traveled with them extensively uh, before COVID. Most of the time traveled on the team charter and went with the players and management Uh, When Lou Lamorello arrived in Toronto as the new general manager, one of his idiosyncrasies while he was with New Jersey was that none of the broadcasters traveled with the team. So we traveled commercial while Lou was there. And we traveled commercial with uh, when he left for the first year when Kyle Dubas was the, um, uh, or still is the manager, but uh, maintained that idea. Now, during COVID, we have done the games off monitors from either the TSN studios, if the game is on their station, uh, 1050, or the Rogers station, if the uh, game was on Sportsnet 590, the fan. It's more difficult because you can't see the entire ice surface and you can't anticipate things that you would see from your peripheral vision, but we're getting it done. And uh, so far, we've gotten all of the scores right and all of the commercials on. So the powers that be seem to be happy with it, and they're saving a lot of money instead of sending us on the road. Oh, yeah, and that's what a lot of people have had to to do over the past couple of years is learn what it is to work remotely, discover new tools, and all of this sort of thing. Although I do recognize um, that there must be an element that is missing, and maybe you're not even in the same room with the person who you're doing the commentary with. Is that how it is now? Well, we we are in the same room, uh, but the thing that also is missing, too, is the enthusiasm of the crowd at the venue. That's what you miss the most because you're hearing sound from the stadium or from the arena, but it's not the same intensity. And I think that's what we miss uh, the most, other than the fact that you're able to see the entire ice and, and things that happen because you're you're watching on a monitor, which is the same monitor and same thing that the people back home are watching, you'll get a tight shot of uh, a guy with the puck and then he makes a goal mouth pass, but you don't see that guy in the, in the frame. Who is that coming to the net? Whereas if you're at the venue, you see the entire ice. So you see this guy coming and you have an idea what number he is and who he is. So that makes the call of the goal or or the call of the play that much easier. So those are things that you have to adjust. Um, You try to do it as best you can, but we've, we've made mistakes doing that. So those are the things that you would normally see if you were at the venue. You would notice that 
that was the defenseman who had jumped into the play and, and uh, scored the goal. Oh, well, I imagine if that's happened to you, who's one of the best in the league, you know, you've been doing this with the Leafs now for 40 years, pretty near, uh, that it must be happening with greater frequency in other games too. And and perhaps that's being reported on, perhaps it's not. But but if, if there's any kind of vote to get you guys back into the game, <laughs> this would be it. Like who, who doesn't, like you want accuracy. You want to have the, the thrill of being there in the crowd and, and being able to like be part of that community, which I know is so dear to you. And I'm so glad that you mentioned, Joe, that you feel that the one of the best parts is the intensity that the crowd brings and it's the energy that's in that room. And it, that can't be replicated. Like you can only get that one way. So I was going to ask you, Joe, like, what is the closest you've ever gotten to calling a Stanley Cup final game? <laughs> well, uh, those two runs uh, with Pat Burns and that was with Gilmore and Potvin, Clark and Dave Andrichuk, um, they were very exciting. And, the, and the, the first year, the 92-93 season, when we got into the uh, semifinals, if you will, against the uh, Los Angeles Kings and had a very disappointing non-call by referee Kerry Fraser out there that is part of Maple Leaf lore now, um, was probably the closest that we got. Um, uh, Matt Sundin team uh, got to the semifinals against the Carolina Hurricanes. We were really beaten up. We were in, uh, injury-wise, uh, but it looked like they might get through, but that didn't happen under uh, Pat Quinn. So those are the teams that got us the closest. Um, that's uh, I'm still waiting to call a Stanley Cup final game, uh, let alone a Stanley Cup winning game. So uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed that maybe uh, that's in the not too distant future. Oh, that would be wonderful. And just thinking back to all of those, there were amazing goaltenders back then. You had Dominic Hasek. You had obviously Felix Popvin. It just seemed like like there would have been so many amazing saves that you've called, not just goals, but I imagine saves too. So uh, are there any that stand out to you as being uh, just really, really pivotal in your career? Anything you've called that you're like, oh my goodness, this is going to go into the, the Hockey Hall of Fame as a moment to remember? Well, I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of those. I mean, I, I've had some memorable calls and I've enjoyed them. But uh, my catchphrase of Holy Mackinac came from a save and it came from Felix Podvan. Uh, we were doing a game in the old Chicago Stadium, and uh, Felix made a, a just a tremendous save. I'm not even sure who it was against from the Hawks, but I blurted out, holy Mackinac, what a save by Felix Potman, and I probably would never have used the phrase again, but I looked over and my color uh, commentator partner, Bill Waters, had literally fallen off his chair in laughter. <laughs> and I thought, well, if I can get some kind of a rise out of him by using that, maybe I'll use it again. Uh, I had never used it prior to that uh, in the American Hockey League or, you know, five or six years in the NHL or junior hockey. But my dad was the one who said it all the time. We'd be sitting and watching the game and Johnny Bauer would make a great save or something. And my dad would blurt out, holy Mackinac, what a save by Johnny. And I never got a chance to ask him where he came up with that because as i said he passed away just between uh, my uh, going uh, from elementary school into high school so uh, i don't know where he got it uh, but i've used it and uh, we've uh, 
had some fun with it over the years. We've uh, tried to um, incorporate it into some uh, good work as well with uh, leukemia research. We've uh, had t-shirts with Holy Mackinac on it and whatnot that we've donated money towards uh, leukemia research fund. But uh, yeah, that one save, I guess it was pretty famous to some extent, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, there's been a lot of wonderful uh, moments, I'm sure, over your career. And and you've just said, you know, obviously your catchphrase, what you're known for. And, and certainly, I think that's what a lot of people, when they think of you, they think of that phrase. So as an announcer, like you've left also a footprint too. Like I imagine there are people who are listening now who have actually said, you know what, my favorite announcer is Joe Bowen. I've been listening to him since I was a, a wee kid on Fan 590 or whatever it is. And, and they've just been kind of watching and waiting. So um, what is it you would say, aside from being yourself, um, that has actually helped you to be a great announcer? And, and what does it take for someone starting out now? Now, that's a loaded question. I, again, I, I think it's uh, obviously you, you need to get a catch a break or something. You know, I have four boys and they have all you know, been in sports and whatnot. My youngest son, David... Uh, played some junior hockey with the Sudbury Wolves and, and up in Sudbury and is going to Laurentian taking um, uh, the sports administration program up there. And again, the technology and, and the opportunity. Uh, there's an app called Hockey TV. And you can literally watch Tier 2 junior games from across Canada and the United States. It's a one-camera little remote, but they all have someone doing play-by-play. And my son David got a chance to do that this year with the U16 Sudbury uh, Cubs team up in, in Sudbury. And he's a hell of a lot better than I am. So you're getting opportunities to try it and to see it. And, and uh, when he was playing junior hockey up there, I would be able to have this hockey TV uh, app on my laptop while I was doing the the Toronto Maple Leaf game and I could keep, you know, during the commercial breaks, keep an eye on how my son was doing and playing goal and whatnot. And you got to listen to a lot of people trying to do play-by-play. And some of them were really, really good. Some of them, not so much. But, you know, it was the opportunity to try. And, and as I said to David, after, you know, he did a number of these games, I said, you're going to find out that you're your own worst critic. Um, you know, you'll listen, listen back to, you know, replay it. Um, oh, I should have done this differently, or maybe I could have worded this differently. And then uh, the more that you do this, you become your own worst critic immediately. Something comes out of your mouth and you go, now why, why did I phrase it that way? Why shouldn't I have done it this way? But now the opportunity is there. People can do this and, and find out if they have a talent for it. Or So the, the opportunities are endless. Whereas when I started, if you didn't get on a absolute you know, radio station that was uh, uh, making money and selling ads and everything else, the only chance you got to practice was maybe in the backyard while you were playing ball hockey. So that's something that I think that is available to everyone now, an opportunity to, to try it. I mean, you can sit in front of the television set, have your recorder going, and, and you can try to do the game off the, the monitor the way we're doing, and then sit back and listen to yourself afterwards and decide whether, mm, should have done it this way, could have done it that way. 
Those are great ideas. So I love that. There was the, um, did you say it's the NHL TV app? What was no, that? No, it's just called Hockey TV. Hockey and, TV. Okay. So no affiliation yeah. with NHL necessarily. No, okay. No. And, uh, and they have, uh, I mean, they have all of the U.S. Uh, college games, they have U.S. Uh, minor hockey games. It, it's an amazing app. It really is. And you, uh, you know, you have to pay for it, obviously. But if you have a, a boy playing hockey somewhere like out in BC, you can sit here and, and watch it on, uh, on on the television. Wow, that's that's a ton of fun because you hear about voice actors who grow up kind of, you know, mimicking the characters that they see on television or their teachers or, you know, doing silly voices. But for those kids who want to announce uh, or be a commercial voice talent or something, then you're usually repeating what you see on television, like what someone actually paid to have produced. <laughs> you know, this is the good stuff. This is what I'm going to practice from. So to be able to have access now to all of these games and to be able to announce and do play-by-play and and just kind of, you know, get your feet wet in that sense in a very safe way. It's not like you're sending off a demo to a station to see if they want you or not. It's it's just you're, you're doing it from home or you're doing it with your friends. But something I loved what you said was that kids outside or not so little kids, you know, maybe some bigger kids can be out there, you know, playing ice hockey outside on the rink that, you know, froze over for the winter. Their dad got the hose out and, you know, made it all nice. And, and you can sit there with your friends and you can have a designated play-by-play. You can like just totally live the dream. Yeah. Everyone's got some kind of a microphone. I think that that was always so cool was, was those kids who wanted to try things and be it, you know, you had your little radio shack, whatever thing and walking around with your mic and like, you know, or recording yourself playing it back. Like these are all kind of things that you can do at very low cost. You don't have to go out to a big studio and you certainly don't need to be announcing, you know, um, up at uh, where the Maple Leafs are playing, you know, but before we go, Joe, obviously people can find what you do on TV or radio, but if they want to watch you call a game or something like that right now, because I know we're not in playoffs yet, I don't believe. Is there uh, a way like online they can watch what you're doing or on television? Um, It's called Leafs Jelly HD and it's on Twitter. And um, it's kind of an interesting story because uh, two young kids from uh, just going into university, I guess, but live up near Canada's Wonderland up in Maple, they tape what Jim Ralph and I do on the radio and then put it over and match it up with the video that has just happened. And so at the end of each period or the end of each game, depending on how busy they are or whatever, they send out what we've done to make it look like we actually did it on TV, which is kind of neat. And a couple of, uh, about a month or so ago, I got in touch with them and thanked them very much for what they were doing and offered to bring them down. And uh, they used uh, my seats to come to the game. And I gave them a tour of the press box and thanked them very much for everything. And the two youngsters said that this was the very first NHL game they'd ever gotten to. And they were just enthralled by everything. And I thought, you know what, that's really neat. That they would go out of their way to do all of this for us, uh, having never been to a game in their lives. And so many people that um, we talk to on a, on a nightly basis, um, and I've, I, I do this regularly, you, just before you sit down into the chair, maybe while the national anthem is on or something, realize how fortunate I am to be doing this for the, you know, the last 40 years um, and how many people I'm going to be talking to tonight who have never been able to come to a National Hockey League game for one reason or another. 
and how special that is. And um, uh, you can't underestimate um, that kind of uh, feeling. And it's something that I know that I, I try to make sure I don't take for granted because uh, it's a very special position. It's a very special honor. And um, when these two kids came up and, and told, told me that, I thought, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do. Make hockey fans of people. If they can live uh, a little bit vicariously through us, um, then all, uh, all, all the better for it. Wow, that that is a fantastic story. I just love it. And we'll be linking to their Twitter account in our show notes. So if anyone wants to find them, it's uh, Leafs Jelly HD. Um, that'll be also on the uh, Vox Talk show notes. You can find it there. Um, I was just actually looking at it as you were speaking, Joe, and, and they do a great job. They're posting multiple times a day. And they do, you know, do a nice call out for you guys and say, this is their work. Now, you know, come see it. And yep. it's just exciting. Yep. So I think that's a that, thank you for inspiring so many people and for helping those who haven't been able to come, you know, to a game or it's been a long time since they have to experience it and to, to participate in that joy. So thank you so much, Joe, for being on the show today. Oh, my pleasure, Stephanie. All of the best to you. Thank you. And that's the way we saw the world through the lens of VoiceOver this week. Thank you for listening and for being part of our community here at Voices. A special thank you to our special guest, Joe Bowen, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if you like what you heard, be sure to share this episode with your friends and family. And that said, share it with any hockey fan you know. No, especially if they root for the Leafs. Thank you so much for being with us today. For Voices, I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli. Vox Hawks producer is Jeff Bremner. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.